Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. Welcome to another Word in Your Ear. Now, a lot about 80s music was about the way it looked, and we're joined by a photographer that I don't think we've seen for about 35 or 40 years, actually. Not since the days when we were working on pop magazines, and she was uh, the person taking a lot of the pictures of the people who were on the covers on. And these uh, pictures now uh, are in a book called 80s Sound and Vision, which is just out. Welcome, Sheila Rock. It's lovely to see you. Lovely to see it, to be here. And yeah. can I just sort of show off my book? You Absolutely. Can. Show it off by all means. In the Labour of Love, all during COVID. Right. I have to say. It was, um, it, the idea started just before in 2019. And um, I just, I was just going through this extensive archive of basically 80s photographs. And so many of them have come from the face and smash hits. And, and also all the background of all the young people who are involved in this and the transition from punk into 80s kind of, wasn't glam, it was a sort of different movement of people. But I, I just want to show this picture, um, which starts, I don't know. Can you see? Yes, oh, yes. So that's is... the Mark Boland show when, when uh, right. David Bowie came. And you were at that show, weren't you, I think? Um, yes, I didn't Well, realize... you must have been doing that picture. <laughs> I, I, I didn't realise David was going to be there. I actually went up with Gen X in a right. bus or a car. I can't remember. And David was there. And he he's so important, not only to the 70s, but also moving forward to the 80s, but also to my life, because it was because of being on the Ziggy Stardust tour in the early 70s that I actually discovered the, the world of music. I listened to some music when I was a young person in America, but I think the whole emphasis on music and, and youth culture is very, very different in the UK, and um, he introduced me to all these madcap, mad people 
like Lee Black Childers, you know, um, um, uh, the Stooges. It was just this uh, incredible uh, journey in America where everyone was dressing up and, and it, I, as a young, innocent person, I didn't realize that uh, these things existed. Yeah. And towards the end of that tour, towards the end of the tour, I was um, introduced to all of the people in New York during that punk, early punk era. So David was was an inspiration, but he opened my eyes to to um, what could happen if you led a creative life. I think. So when, did, when you, did you start when taking you, pictures? Yeah, when did you come to Britain? Uh, I came to Britain in 1970, and I started taking uh, pictures not during the Bowie tour because I was with Mick Rock, and. Um, through um, a contact I had at Rolling Stone magazine, I introduced Mick to Rolling Stone and we pitched David Bowie and David Bowie had just come out with Hunky Dory. And I just thought it was the most incredible record. And we went down um, and did a photo shoot. I was like Mick's assistant. And uh, David was with Angie and we were in this sort of rather lovely apartment um, in South London. And uh, and Mick and and Dave got on so well that we we then um, formed a kind of friendship and a relationship. And then he was invited, Mick was invited to go on the Ziggy tour as the exclusive photographer, which is why there are very, very few pictures by anyone else during this period. Um, And I wasn't, you know, I was quite shy. And also I I didn't want to steal anyone's thunder. I wasn't being asked to do this. And it was something that, I've, I, I just thought it. I just was part of this incredible wave and experience. So he's in, Bowie is in the chapter uh, of visionaries. Right. Um, uh, and he influenced people like Steve Strange, who... Uh, yeah, show us, because there's a the yes, great shot yes. of Steve Strange and Visage. Oh, there it is, that's right, outside the Blitz, which has now become one of those... You know, really, really well-known, emblematic shots of the eighties. It, it? It's become iconic, um, and it it was because I met Steve during the punk time, because um, Steve Strange is sort of uh, is like a chameleon, and he's he transformed into different, and he was trying desperately to find his way. Um, he tried to be a punk, or he was a punk, and then he, he developed with Rusty Egan the New Romantics and the Blitz Club. And I did a couple of photo shoots with Steve, who was an extremely nice person. It's very sad that he's passed. I'm trying to imagine a group more cooperative uh, when it came to being photographed, because the whole point of Visage was being photographed, really. And the New Romantics, they must have been very keen to get in front of your camera. And uh, certainly with Steve, he, every single time I saw him, it was a different fashion outfit or a different fashion look. And the club that he he and Rusty um, 
this is from something called People's Palace, but this is an example of the the outlandish, wild, flamboyant uh, looks that were created during that time. And I think it, I just felt it was like a release from the dark days of the 70s. And also yeah. reaction, wasn't it, to punk rock and to Scar and everything in black and white? And it that's, was just a, that's right. That's right. So there I, must have been there must have been a pleasure to take pictures of these people because they well, were was, they it worked was, at it. It was incredible. I mean, how could you avoid not wanting to take a picture right. of mm. people that looked as flamboyant as this? And also, there were, in terms of fashion and style, there were no. Um, uh, catwalk fashion shows then. No, it only true. came late, later, and most of what was exciting and going on was on the streets of London. And and um, here's here's another set of pictures, and there you you have you see Rusty and Steve. Right. I remember this vividly. I went to the, I went to the music machine a couple of times. The, right. Yeah, the, the Camden Palace actually was called, wasn't it? Sorry, that's yeah. right. And uh, yeah, and uh, Steve would be waiting on the on the stairs to welcome everybody and to well, judge whether or not they were sufficiently flamboyant. God knows how I got in. Yeah, how do you go? <laughs> I have no, no. idea. A pair of Doc Martens. I was going to say, did you did you get in? Did I did it basically. I did, but he knew I was a journalist. So he, wanted, he wanted the coverage, you know. <laughs> But you've got a fabulous picture of Susie there, which I remember being uh, oh, was from the cover, the, of, cover, of, cover of the face, wasn't it, Dave? Sure. You know, her and her wonderful Japanese Yes, I clothes. looked at that and I thought, my goodness, that was a memorable cover. It was a fantastic cover. Uh, yeah. with, the, with the red and white. I think I'm just it. trying to find that in right. the... I, I, I tried in, to put a post along my post-it notes. Let's yeah. see if I can find it. I, uh, see, Bear see, with us, I viewers. Can, <laughs> I can find it first. I have it. Oh, yeah. there you go. You got it. Well there done. That's the one. Wow. This, this came about because I met Lloyd Johnson. Uh, who, oh, the clothes. Who owned a wonderful place in just down in Chelsea, didn't he? In, That's uh, right. And he he started to uh, have these pop-up shops in Kensington Market. And he was developing his own range of clothes. So having initiated a whole wave of very cool clothes for rock and roll, potential rock and roll stars. Uh, they were mostly vintage. Um, yeah. And from what um, Lloyd had said to me, it was because there was no money and people didn't have money to uh, to buy clothes, but they were able to buy sort of secondhand it's vintage true. clothes. It's true. It's yeah, true. Completely. And, and also, I think uh, retail merchandising and, and all of these people who were making clothes were on a three-day week. Yeah. So that changed in the 80s. Suddenly, people began um, having a little bit more money. He became more courageous and he developed this idea of uh, Japanese clothes. I had this idea when speaking to him that Susie would be the perfect person. Right. And I can't remember. And Nick Logan, I have to show. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were just looking about, at the picture. Of we've Nick. got such fond memories of Nick because he launched the face in these. Yeah, in the Smash Hits office. That, and, and, you know, it spent a lot of time, didn't he, in that room down the end, Dave, surrounded by little transparencies on the. <sighs> On light boxes and it's uh, a wonderful picture that takes you back to the the days of 
pre-digital days. Yeah, analog world where you've got all that stuff stuck on a little uh, wall behind him, including yeah. the including the uh, the artwork for the crossword. I think. Do you want me to see if I can find it? Anyway. Yes, here it is. Sorry, you got it. Right. You got it. Because I have so many things I want to show you. Right. Post-it notes are crossing each other. Right. Right. So this is a picture of. There he is. Nick. And Nick, as I, Nick as I remember fag. him, always with a fag in his Absolutely. mouth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought this was a classic picture. I mean, this one, I think, shows the, the state of chaos. Oh, that, that's beautiful, yeah. that is. That is how Nick spent his time, just surrounded by pictures, layouts, very often on his hands and knees, because there was with no the surface too. you could put them on. With the telephone on, and he would be commissioning someone simultaneously to write, to write an article. Absolutely no. incredible. No, he was uh, an extraordinary editor. I mean, and I think he gave, um, I'm very indebted to him because I don't think I would be a photographer if it wasn't for his enthusiasm or allowing me um, to just go with ideas that I had. Yeah. So I would often just come to him with an idea. It might have been this Susie idea of and he'd listen to me and he'd say, sounds good, do it. Yeah. And and then I'd come back with the pictures. I, I didn't know that it would ever make a cover. No. But I think they were working, Neville and, and he were always working on the edge. Mm. So I feel as though, in a way, during this rock and roll time, I was the photographer on the edge. Yeah. You know, I, I never knew what was going to happen in any photo shoot. I, I never knew... If any any images that I created, say for the face, um, would ever see the light of day, but luckily, you know, Nick liked a lot of the ideas, and they made some of the covers of the face in those early days. You've got, that, co was... got that cover of Brian Ferry in the red sweater, which oh, right. I, yeah. I haven't seen for years, and that's a very kind of. It's a very unlikely cover image, really, because there's no eye contact there. I don't think there is. Um, but it just kind of works, you know. It's got a warmth right. to it. Um, well, the face had really, really uh, unusual covers. Oh, go on. That's the one. There we yeah. go. That was a face cover, wasn't it? Or a picture from or that. Or it's, it's an outtake from right. that. Right. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was unusual. Um, th these were taken in uh, the management office on the King's Road. And like a lot of these sort of shoots for magazines, you don't really have that much time. Okay. It's not like a session that later on you were given like half a day yeah. or a whole day. When people realised the value of it. That and also the, uh, I was commissioned um, to to do um, a press session or an album theme session so the artists would allow themselves the whole day and we'd have a journey um to promote an idea um and i'd, I'd like to sh uh, show you some pictures uh from simple minds i think right. the um and jim kerr is the artist that that i worked with and enjoyed doing the album sons and fascination right which uh was with Malcolm Garrett, and it was an idea that um, the band themselves decided that they didn't want to be center stage, that they weren't a glam kind of um, uh, boy band, and that they wanted to do something that was evocative of the music. So we did these long exposures um, 
which I haven't sort of prepared. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I mean, this is this is sort of an example here. Oh right, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. And I don't know if you remember the the images from from Sons and Fascination. Right, yes. Was this kind of was this one of theirs? Yes. Is that something? Oh, see. sorry, no, it's not. Actually, no, it wasn't mine. Yeah, it wasn't mine. It was. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> not very clear. I thought your pictures of mine were fantastic because no disrespect to them, but I never felt that Jim Carrey was that charismatic actually in the flesh, but he was transformed by appearing in photographs. Yes, I mean, um, he, he's quite an extraordinary person. You know, being quiet doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't powerful, you know, and I think that he's he has um, an intelligence and a power in his own way. A lot of a lot of people like um, um, uh, I mean I I think his his music is is inspiring and thoughtful and not showy like some of the eighties bands. But I I wanted to show you. So that here's a picture I did at a video shoot, right? And I think it kind of represented what um, Simple Minds did on stage, and and the, the sort of feeling that comes from their music. So when you look back at these pictures, can you kind of remember the day of taking them? Can you remember oh, where oh. you were? Some oh, on some of them, like the ones of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Right. That was the commission. Um, uh, from we use those in Smash Hits, I think. Face. Oh, yeah. right, yeah. Um, and they're an interesting group because two members were incredibly, uh, totally yeah. understood the way style and visuals worked, and three three really didn't at all and needed oh, a lot no, of exactly. direction. Exactly. 
But um, they arrived in cowboy outfits. <laughs> they arrived in cowboy outfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they dressed up. They didn't dress up. They arrived like that. And I believe I didn't have this lasso rope. Um, yeah. That just happened. Uh, often things just happen. And because he was where I think, I think Holly was wearing it. I just sort of said, well, let's use it. Yeah. And with that suggestion, and we were sort of playing around and it just got madder and madder. And some of the photographs I had Holly Johnson on top of, of um, Paul Rutherford, like Paul Rutherford was the horse. Right. And we just went a little bit mad, but we got. They very... were fantastic. They were God's gift to magazine editors. They were wonderful. And uh, thank you. And the, this picture of, uh, I think this one or one similar made the cover of the face. I think it, uh, yeah, it did, yeah, yeah, it, it yeah. Rings, it, we used yeah. this much, it's too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You also took the, we were talking about just before we started recording, you took the. One of the most uh, fondly remembered covers of Smash Hits, which is Martin Fry with the uh, the gold lame. Oh, yeah. And there's a clip of that which you can still see on YouTube. On YouTube, of you yeah. taking the picture taking where those pictures. interviewed talking about it. It was fantastic. Where could, great promotion for them and great promotion for us. Actually. You'll have to find that picture uh, on your side because I haven't. All right. Oh, all here right. it is. Here it is. <laughs> There you go, yes. That's the one, isn't it? And uh, yeah, there he's got a rather extreme hairstyle, yeah. isn't he? And yeah. uh, but it, but also you, man. you had a chiffon scarf coming out of the coming um, out of the saxophone, yes. coming out of the saxophone yes. to indicate I mean, the instrument was... he never even played. It was great. <laughs> that was a great uh, cover. But that's um, but that was the good thing about working for these magazines like Smash Hits and The Face is that it allowed you complete creative freedom, you know, and and everyone, the bands were, were so willing to, yeah. to do things and they weren't surrounded by no. press officers. Or, Absolutely. Or a lot of it was their own ideas. They weren't yeah. that controlled. They were just, they, they were totally there in were charge no, of the way they were There were no sounded. real stylists. That, that sort of happened mid 80s, late, but not the in in those early days. Um, there was an innocence and enthusiasm which I feel very privileged to have been part of. And with the great excitement from our point of view, being back in the office, you know, was uh, was when you'd come or Eric Watson or who other people who took pictures. Uh, uh, would come with an envelope full of transparencies. And this very often wouldn't be until days after the pictures had been taken because they had to be... That's right, because... It says they had to go to Sky, didn't they, or wherever it was, that place. shipped across town on a motorbike. (laughs) (laughs) And and when you got them out and they were just spread on the light box. Thrilling. And you looked at them and you you knew immediately... Whether uh, because magazine editors just think it, I've got to get a cover out of this. There's yeah, got to be a. It's cover. all you're looking for. We had a little <laughs> tiny little template we used to put a, a, on top of the pictures to make really? the logo on oh, it. Yeah, so yeah. It fit. I never knew it's that. So funny. Yeah, yeah because yeah. You, you can't get the head too high up the frame because you need room to put the magazine logo. You know, right. back in the back in the day. But it was right. a huge thrill for us um, to see them come through and be successful, as all yours were, Sheila. That's Thank why, you very much. That's why we're having this conversation. So 
this has been a kind of labour of love. You keep everything, obviously. Do you keep it very well organised? Do you know, you know where everything um, is? Well, I have most of my music uh, here. I, I don't know if you can see. That's not all of it. Right. I have an office that's full of um, of negatives and color transparencies because after after the 80s i i decided that and it was a, a wealth of experience and people were i was i was working constantly but i was working solely in the music business and i was I started to get a little disheartened that no one asked me ever to to photograph a writer. No, this is what happens. You know? <laughs> and I I was you being get typecast. Told. You get yeah. typecast, and um, uh, that really disturbed me. In the late eighties, I did a few photo shoots for um, Rolling Stone in America. At that point, English Vogue contacted me to to do some. Uh, portrait photography and I thought well you know um, there's this unspoken you can't work for certain people if you're working for for a magazine but outside of that if if Rolling Stone looks at you and and gives you work then Vogue magazine will give you a job Um, and I did um, Sinead O'Connor um, uh, and I think there's, she has a documentary out at the moment. She does, doesn't she? does, she? yep, just around, and, yep. And this picture, again, if I can find it, because I haven't prepared that for you, because we were going to talk about everyone else that I photographed during this time. You guys can't help. Oh, here. I got it. Right. Oh, yeah, oh, good. Yes, of course, yes. Unbelievably this, charismatic. This, this particular picture is now yeah. being used by the documentary filmmaker right. who did this documentary, which seems to be getting very good reviews. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but I... Give us some uh, examples of people that you've, or I, I, one person that you, you really enjoyed photographing. Yeah, what's your favourite? What's your favourite? Reading and interesting. My favourite. Favourite person to photograph. Yeah, go on, pick, pick a favourite out of the book. Favourite person. Most, most fun to photograph. <laughs> oh my god. I hadn't really sort of thought about that. You must have done. I mean, <laughs> or our I mean, least favourite. <laughs> oh, least favourite. Have we done New Order? <laughs> I can talk about my least favourite band. Oh, really? Go on. Oh, all right. It is New Order. There we are. Oh, really? Um, well, then why, why least favourite? Um, no, I was rather excited when I was told that um, I was doing this photo shoot and they arrived on time. Um, and it was a ve- I didn't have very much time with them, so I had organized my lighting. I knew exactly how I wanted things, super simple, very clean, and they, they are not flamboyant. They are, they, they are not particularly smiley people, um, but it was Peter Hook was so um, obstructive and difficult. Usually such um, a sweetheart. <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> from my from my experience, every time I asked um, them to look a certain way, he would turn around. Oh God! You know, um, and no, no, none of the other members of the band would say anything to him, but he would continuously turn his back. And at which point I had to take my camera and I actually said to them, I'm sorry, I cannot do this photo shoot. I'm, you guys have to go back to Manchester. So he walked and they, out. And they That's... looked at me, Mark, they looked at me like no one's ever spoken to them like that. Cool. And it's, I am not uh, an aggressive person. And by nature, I am quite quiet. And I allow things in a creative way to happen on a photo shoot, or I try to get. But also, you're trying to make them look good. You know, you'll yeah. you, be all sympathetic to their cause. Not like Absolutely. you're a journalist who might not like them. You know, so <laughs> it's absurd. So, the, so they line by line, they just walked out. Didn't say very much. They didn't say anything to Peter Hook, but he he was so unbelievably difficult. I just didn't know the point of why travel all that way. Well, it's, it's, it's the curious dynamics of bands, isn't it, really? That's, uh, particularly when they're under pressure and they're doing loads of things, people get you know, bad-tempered and they do, do stupid stuff. Well, I've noticed that when boys are together, you know, male males together, they tend to compete with one another. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it could have been a little of... And um, nobody wants to oh, appear oh, enthusiastic. That's much easier not to be. That was always the, the argument against, you know, never interview bands together because they're always showing off to each other. Right. Rather than telling right. you anything. They're you becoming know. incredibly right. no, exactly. restricted in what yeah. they say because they're yeah. just afraid of making fools themselves in front of the others, you know. Or not well, look, you, the you haven't on. told us who your favourite is, but you've told us who your least favourite is. But uh, So that's fair enough. So, so there's the book, the '80s Sound of Vision, Sheila Rock, um, out now. Out now, and freely uh, available. I, I'd like to say that one of the reasons why I chose um, uh, Lee Bowery to represent—it's it's not so much about music, but he was—he expressed a sort of flamboyance of the time. And and I think the he had the courage to to be this extraordinary person. Again, I'm looking. He this this was a shoot I did for the face. I didn't know who Lee Bowery was. <laughs> he, just <And> <laughs> he turned up in a black. But if he looks like that, it doesn't matter. It's great. Guaranteed a spread in the face immediately. And the, the, the backside of his outfit was cut out. He was completely blue, front and back. They arrived, he and Trojan. Yep. His partner. Right. Um, in this taxi, they had no money. And... Um, <laughs> Expecting you to pay for it. Driver, the taxi driver was was completely, I mean, he was gobsmacked. Um, and they came, and Lee was the sweetest and the nicest, uh, most cooperative person. And this particular image um, is is an idea he called Pockies from Outer Space. All right. 
<laughs> so it's sort of like Indian Kathakali dancing right. taken to an extreme. Different times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> very good. Cheers, Cheers ben. Very nice to talk lovely to you. Lovely to talk Interesting to you. and really lovely to see you again after um, all this time. Yeah, lovely. So there it is, yeah. 80s Sound and Vision. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.